previously on Kurt Spurbs Blurbs. The new mystery is, I want to know what episode of Jeopardy they were watching before Ray goes outside to play with the infrared scope. Tonight on Kurt Spurbs Blurbs. I, I'm genuinely interested in how did you and the Burbs, I don't know, come to be married. Kurt B. Burbson. Kurt B. Blurbson. Kurt B. Burbson now. Kurt B. Burbson. Kurt B. Blurbson. It's Kurt's Burbs Blurbs time now. It's Kurt's Burbs Blurbs time now. There we go. Hello? Yep, I'm here. Great. Okay, cool. Sorry. Uh, all right. So how are you? I'm so That's like... Hey, just uh, fine. Yeah? That voice sound familiar? No, not the good doctors. We all know these sultry tents. <laughs> I'm talking about the voice on the other side of that line. The one, the only, retired professor Kate Waits from Akron, Ohio. She is an all-time Jeopardy! champion, but more importantly, she's the winner of the Jeopardy! game that Ray and Carol watch before our interrupts to go do something stupid. The answer is, it's the next federal holiday after Washington's birthday. Where is Lincoln's birthday? Memorial Day? Memorial Day is it, selling. This is mon-u-men-tal loon ah ticks What? Who was a Muslim? How sweet it is was a... Right again. Business and industry for 200, please. In the McDonald's corporate think tank. All right, we're watching the show. But I'll be back in time for Final Jeopardy. This is the first time a KVB, someone that is in the actual movie that is tattooed on my forearm, is here in real life talking to me, your boy, Dr. Money, on Kurt's Birth Blurbs. The only podcast dedicated to the 1989 Joe Dante masterpiece, The Birds. It's one hell of a neighborhood. And welcome to season two, as my plans begin to unfold to convert the world into diehard burbsers like myself. I'm ready! All right, let's get to it. Kate was already a KBB all-star for her connection to the burbs. for But then after the burbson that you're about to hear today, neighbors, she's beyond all-star. She's ascended to the upper echelon of a chart that only exists because of her. And that chart is called People from the Burbs Who Dr. Kurt Money Has Talked To. That's great! We even saw a few burb stories along the way. And make a few new ones, neighbors. No, Jeff. Burb stories, I don't even know. We're burb stories. We got them. But the biggest bombshell of the night happens right off the bat. So why would I keep you waiting any longer? Season 2 of KBB. The Burbson begins now. I gotta be honest, I'm so, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't sleep. You're the first person that I'm gonna talk to that's in the movie The Burbs and it like blows my mind. And then, I, I don't know, I just got a lot of questions and stuff and I'm like, just gotta take deep breaths, Kurt. Deep breaths. <laughs> all right. Great. Sure was damp today. Well, first of all, I wanted to say thank you so much for uh, taking the time to talk and to do it so quickly. Well, my pleasure. And I, I had absolutely no, I'd heard of the movie, although I still haven't seen it, but had absolutely no idea that uh, either Jeopardy or my episodes were included. What? Wait, you didn't know? That blows my mind. Wait a minute. You didn't know that you were in the movie? Absolutely no idea. It has never been all kinds of people but it is pretty muted to pick up uh, what the voices are i'm actually curious as to how you figured out which episode it is <laughs> i just uh 
online digging. I mean, I found that J archive and that was like a lifesaver. I mean, I couldn't uh, believe uh, the details in there. I've, it's not even just the answers and questions. They have some like things that you said or things that Alex said to another contestant. Like it's the most detailed archival process I've ever seen. Right. Well, Jeopardy fans. Uh, yes, they are quite devoted and thorough. <laughs> you know what? I, I was looking at that and I was going... These people, this is their burbs for them because that's right. what I'm doing for the burbs. And right. that's why, so wait, and so this is good because you're also a retired law professor. So you probably maybe know the answer unless entertainment law is a lot different, but I don't understand why they didn't have to get your permission. Did you sign away your permission for the episode? And so they didn't oh, have I'm, to get I'm it. Sure, I'm sure, yes, absolutely. They, they, you sign away all, any right uh, you have for, uh, for that. I'd actually be interested to know, and maybe you know, if the burbs, paid for that because I think there's at least an argument under copyright law that it's such a brief series that it might be fit what's called fair use. Again, I have no idea. And I also do assume that if they paid, they paid much less for just the use of audio rather than video. But who knows? I don't. But I can't make, I'm trying to make a mask with Tom Hanks' face on it from the burbs. It keeps getting kicked back copyright because of likeness issues. Right, because Tom Hanks owns the rights to his likeness okay that's a sort of a gotcha. that's whereas i have signed away and and if he wants to exploit his likeness he could sign away his rights to you know mattel or somebody but one of the things normal people and that means not just contestants but normal actors do is say i release my rights to everything at least associated with this show that i've appeared on right so, you didn't find this out from me, though, right? I did find it out from you. Oh! <laughs> Sorry, I don't that mean to yell. It was completely, I'm like, what? <laughs> why? When you contacted me, I said, please send me the clip. It was, it was no, absolutely, uh, absolutely no idea, never been mentioned. I mean, I'm sure there are people, including friends of mine, who both saw the movie and saw my appearances and, and may well, it's pretty, um, I don't quite know how to say this, Curtis, but you probably have to be as obsessed with the movie as you are to yeah. pick up, you know, Kate and pick up the the answer, some of the answers that help you then clue in to which it is. And I, um, I have a reasonably distinctive voice, but you really, even my friends wouldn't necessarily hear enough of me to go, oh, you know, that's 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 my uh, Kate. Uh, well that's so crazy because I hear your voice and I was like, well, I know who I'm talking to and I'm waiting for you to say Nebraskans because that's what you said in the movie. Nebraskans for uh, a thousand points. Ah! <laughs> well, and it, it helps perhaps that I was 37 years old when the episode was on and, and from 37 to now almost 70, the, your voice doesn't change that much. So Wow. So when you found out and you're like, wow, that is me. Why is Lincoln's birthday? Memorial Day. Memorial Day is it. Selling. <laughs> Were you like cool or like, why didn't I know that then? Like was part of you going like, why didn't I know about this? Or you just kind of, you, you know, the rules of being on a game show. It's kind of like they can do whatever they want with it. Yeah, it, it was, I would rate it as a, just a super fun surprise <laughs> coming uh so, you know, thir almost 33 years after my appearance, there's still something new that, you know, that connects me and that, and, and again, I hope you don't mind my saying, and that there's somebody who cares. I mean, oh, you know, oh, oh, yes. In other words, your excitement is 
transferred to me, and it's almost oh. like, you know, reliving what was a super That's fun great. thing in my life. That is so cool and so awesome to hear. I am, boy, I feel so honored to be the one to let you know. <laughs> okay, wow. <laughs> I really all that sit with me. <laughs> the next day. They do show footage of the show, but they don't we don't see Alex or any of the uh contestants or what do you what do you guys what's the official word? Players? Sorry, well, I want to get the terms right. Is it contestant? Uh, contestants, I guess. What I'm not even sure myself. <laughs> okay, okay. They show the board, but you don't see either of you, but I know that they actually were watching your episode while they were shooting because I can tell that they didn't do a composite later and put it in the TV later because because okay. Joe Dante's so awesome. Like he just he wants everything practical and like he's doing everything right. And so I can you can tell that they're reacting to your your dialogue. Like they're answering with you. Mm-hmm. So they're like they they totally like Carrie Fisher and Tom Hanks spent hours improving together, playing a game with you. I mean that how crazy is that? Yeah, well, so- I, I, and that, in a sense, that makes sense. My episode was aired, that episode was aired in November of 1987, and given how movie production works, it, it makes sense that a 1989 film would be filming in late 1987, so that, that all makes sense. And I'll, I'll also tell you, I um, watched the episode just earlier this morning, watched it all the way through, and I wonder... If the reason they used that him saying whatever Lincoln's birthday when Memorial Day was the right <laughs> yeah. answer, there yeah. was a long pause. In other words, the buzzer that times up almost went off before I rang in. And that then, it seems to me, gives the actors a longer than usual time to get some lines in before you then oh. hear me answer correctly with Memorial what? Day. That's okay. Wow. Okay, because I I want to ask specifically about that question because Carrie Fisher says they combined them. They're one holiday now. When is Lincoln's birthday? Memorial Day. Memorial Day is it? Selling. Uh, Tried to look it up, and I hear that presidents used to have their own days in the early '80s. Maybe is that true? So that's what. If if growing up, I grew up in the '50s, and both Lincoln's birthday. Like if you ask somebody Mm. my age when is Lincoln's birthday, they will tell you February 12th because you knew it because it was a you know, gotcha. day off, at least for sometimes, and that uh, Washington's birthday is February 22nd. And yes, they were combined, but they weren't, I, I'm not sure, somebody else would know whether they were both national holidays or just holidays that many places observed. And so then at some point, I guess Carrie Fisher is saying in the, um, although the clue asks, what's the next holiday after Washington's birthday, doesn't it? The answer is, it's the next federal holiday after Washington's birthday. Yes. Okay, and yeah. that is what we now call President's Day, so that at the time, I don't know, I don't remember, obviously it's a fact you could Google of, you know, when did the President's Day holiday come up, but in any event... Even if they were both full holidays, which I think they weren't, Lincoln's birthday comes before Washington's, comes 10 days before Washington's, which I will tell you that, if you will, anybody the age of, of Tom Hanks's character basically should know. Because one of the things uh, you and I talked about in, in our uh, emails back and forth is that that short sequence seems <laughs> to suggest that the Tom <laughs> Hanks character is sort of an overconfident idiot. Oh, oh, I cracked up when I read that. I 
cracked. Ah, I mean, you're right. You're dead like on. Another, <laughs> there's another thing he gets wrong that's yeah. like... Oh, sweet. Was sweet. How sweet it is was a... a, a, a right again. No, that's pretty easy, okay? And and it's 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 a combination. Not just that he gets it wrong, but he says it with such confidence. Why is it his birthday? Memorial Day? Um, yeah, totally. And, totally. And then seems either surprised or defensive when he's wrong. So it was a, I'm not surprised by the improv, et cetera. It was a tiny little sliver of establishing elements of that character. That See, the because there's a... There's another burb story around here. That's a mystery with the burbs that I'm destined to solve. And you're making <laughs> you're you're helping me solve it right now and I am just Oh, I'm through the moon or whatever. I'm so pumped. Well done, house. The question is, when is this week off? Because the, the movie takes place in basically a week or like a long weekend. Okay. It doesn't state whether it's 4th of July or Memorial Day or whatever. And there's another version of the movie that's the work print that's not the theatrical release where Tom Hanks says that he lost his job and that's why he's off of work. But it's not, mm-hmm. there's nothing, there's nothing specific where it's like, it's definitely this because then there's a scene where they're in the kitchen and I can see a June calendar because the red birds and stuff, and I, I paused it and zoomed in, but... That's great! It's not 4th of July because there's no decorations, and it couldn't be Memorial Day because Tom Hanks wouldn't be that dumb. He would know that the holiday... In fairness, the reason why there was that long pause is that Washington's birthday is in February, and you have to think there are actually no federal holidays in March April and until the end of May. And that's exactly what I was thinking through and why it took me as long as it did to answer and and how I'm sure the other two contestants were doing it, were doing it too. I mean, I, I guess if they're being vague about what might be causing the long weekend, that you certainly couldn't have it be Memorial Day. And yeah. the episodes were aired in November, but they that could conceivably, if they were watching it on tape or something, that could conceivably be uh, Veterans Day, which is November 11th. But you know, they were well, not required to put it on. You know, they they're welcome to pretend Jeopardy is that episode's coming on sometime different from what it actually came on. Exactly, and that's what it was. It was eight months later or so because they were shooting the Burbs in May of 88. There was a writer's strike going on, and Tom Hanks was on top of the world because Big had just come out. Right. So you were in an A-list guy's movie and you didn't... uh, It's so funny! Uh, Okay, sorry. Uh, Anyway... Good, honey. So they shot it in May of 88, so they must have had a tape. So I'm sitting there doing the math of like, well, they shoot that at Sony, but they didn't then. They shot it at Hollywood Center Studios. So that's where you shot it because you were season oh, four, right? Wow. I, I remember it as being Sony, but I I could be wrong. They, you, you may know more about Jeopardy at that time than I remember. I love going to a place where, like, my, I got to get to this street where they shot the burbs. Like, the whole movie takes place on this one street on the Universal lot. Okay. And the end of the movie there's an explosion i don't want to say anything else in case you watch it i don't want to spoil it but it's practical and it was so practical that they had to let everyone in the surrounding area in universal city and studio city know hey you're about to see a giant explosion over there don't call the police it's fine Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. don't call the fire department that's how big it was okay Ah! that's just really cool this is a lot of cool stuff are you saying that jeopardy was not shot on the sony lot in 87? Oh, well, no. Well, I, I am saying that, but I kind of switched gears in the middle there, so okay. I got distracted okay. by the burbs. I'm right, really sorry. Right. 
this will happen. Uh, I thought maybe if they were on the same lot, maybe there he like knew the producer. They didn't have to go through the red tape or whatever. But I, I just think I mean their their request Jeopardy has been used for background in lots of TV and movies. Okay, because it's a yeah. you know cultural icon. And obviously even more so, the, the 1987 was only the fourth season since the yeah. Alex Trebek reboot. And, but already people were, were into it. So I, I mean, I, I just think that the producers get requests for the use of Jeopardy for both probably profit and non-profit reasons all the time. So uh, that part of it, and, I, and I'm sure, quote unquote, everyone in Hollywood knows who to contact if you want permission to use Jeopardy. So that part doesn't surprise me at all. And it's, but the other thing is like, I, it's better now because it's digital, but you, maybe you know this, that the archives of early Jeopardy are terrible. There's a like, there's not a lot of tape left of the shows from the 60s and 70s. And that okay. just bums the hell out of me. And that's why I lit up when I heard that you had a, just knowing there's a copy of the episode in the Burbs still exists. Like, I, I can't believe there's not a room somewhere with all the Jeopardy episodes. Like, well, I, you know. I will tell you that they, they're showing a lot of old episodes and, it, sometime within the next couple months, they are going to be showing the very first episodes from '84. So they, at least the first ones, they dug up somewhere. And and I have a tape because the, it was in VHS days, and both other members of my family and I just put it on a uh, VHS tape, and then in oh, it's probably. 15 years ago now did have them transferred to DVD before they went super bad. Yeah. The copy I have is not pristine. And I will tell you, Curtis, that one of the most fun aspects of my DVDs is that they were taped with the commercials. So we had nice. these 1980s yes. commercials, yes. hairdos, and, and also uh -huh. ads for TV shows that you're like, oh, I uh. completely forgotten about that. So it, yeah, like a show that's on the air for six too. weeks. Totally. Oh, you're right. so right. You are so right. That is awesome. Boy, I got to say, I love hearing that your family is on top of transferring from VHS to DVD because it's super important. Those tapes really crap out. And like, I'm, I'm all about this stuff because I'm uh, I'm terrible with organizing, but I love, our, I'm a completist. Big deal. <laughs> so to hear that, that you're like, well, before the tapes got bad, we had them transferred to a disc. I'm just like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> That's what you do. Okay, yeah. so you were on Jeopardy multiple times in 88, 90, and, and then in 2002, twice. Right. 2002 was, I was only in uh, one episode of the Million Dollar Masters. Which one? <laughs> Which? I was actually on both 87 and 88. I was in the 1988 Tournament of Champions. Anyways, go on with what we were going to ask. I wanted to know if when I said the name Eugene Finnerman, if anything came up. Well, not only I opposed uh, uh, Eugene in Super Jeopardy in 1990, but he and I are friends on Facebook. He is a delightful and very, very funny man, a really gifted comic writer as far as I'm concerned, and, and a lovely person. So, yes, I... Well, that that's great to hear, because I when I was talking about when they sometimes have the dialogue in here... Uh, oh, wait, sorry, I'll let you get that. Sorry about that. That's okay. Go ahead. Uh, what was I saying? Hang on. This Eugene Fennerman. That's it. That's it. Oh, uh, when I, I read like every round, Alex is getting a little short with them. 
And then in the final Jeopardy, his answer was uh, Abe Lincoln, and he said, my favorite Republican. And it says, Alex says, no editorializing. It's just like, th- there were like three examples of Alex being a little saucy with this guy in one episode. And I wonder if you remember, like, I what I, was... I actually don't remember uh, that. I'm sorry. That's okay. I think now he's, whoever it is, is leaving a message. Uh, I don't, I actually don't remember that. Part of it is that that was so-called super jeopardy. I knew when I was asked to be on and who else was going to be on that, that I was like contestant fodder. I mean, I know a fair amount, but the truly great jeopardy champions, which is what Eugene is, know just so much more than I do. But you get a phone call that says, would you like to come to New York, fly first class, all expenses paid, three nights at the Waldorf, and Whoa. Uh, if you if you if you and and a per diem and if you get knocked out in the first round I think it I think the million dollar masters was five thousand dollars and it's like yeah I think I can fit that into my calendar yeah yeah <laughs> yeah I think <laughs> and, I got time for that <laughs> and and, uh, and and I will also say for the 1988 tournament of champions I suspect this is usually the case if there are uh, 15 contestants, no more than five of them in a tournament of champions have a real chance of winning because oh, they're really? the ones who just, who, through some combination about how much they know and how good they are in the buzzer, because I was also dreadful on the buzzer. I did make the semifinals of it. I was pleased with that as one of the wild cards, but I never, any of the tournaments I was in, had any expectation of making it to the finals, much less winning. I, I, I knew where I stood, and that, and I was fine with that. Yeah, I mean, but you're still one of the greats. I mean, you've won multiple, multiple times. Well, got I, feel yeah, good. no, I'm, I'm quite satisfied. And the, the other thing I guess I'll say I'm a little proud of is that I never studied. Nah. Mo- wow. Mo- most of the great champions have studied. And people sometimes say, well, how can you study for Jeopardy? And, and the answer is that you obviously have to study really, really broadly. But, and it, it's actually my opinion that tournaments are actually easier to study for than the regular game because tournaments have some pretty predictable areas of knowledge. You know, U.S. presidents, state capitals, world capitals. And if you and your listeners don't know, there is a truly wonderful book called Prisoner of Trebekistan by Bob Harris, one of the great champions, in which he apparently failed the test a bunch of times, studied up and became a great Jeopardy champion, terrific on the buzzer. And I actually remember in the Million Dollar Masters, he ran a category on African capitals from top to bottom with some really, I mean, I had I had other Jeopardy champions sitting next to me who were like, I have no idea what that's the capital of etc and you know he obviously studied it which is great and and uh james apparently studied for a good decade before going on so oh the, the guy now Holtz. yeah james holtzhauser i didn't study at all for my initial appearances partly because i was working and had a two-year-old at home but also wow. then when a year later i was in the tournament of champions I tried to study for an, like an hour and a half, sort of opening up the writer's own, uh, uh, world on act, and I realized 
I didn't care. I, okay, I, yeah. I know what I know. I enjoy yeah. what I know. But I had no interest in memorizing new facts. Totally. One of the keys to Jeopardy, I, I'll... I'll share with you and your listeners. I am a lawyer, so I analyzed the game before trying out. I think the three keys to the game, or among the three keys to the game, are one, the Jeopardy round is actually irrelevant to the outcome. Nobody can get a big enough lead in what I call single Jeopardy to be insurmountable or even close, which in some ways is good because it lets people just sort of ease into it. Like you did in the in the game in the burps. Like that's well, what that's, you're... Well, you... Right. I mean, it, and that's not in the least surprising, but I had already looked at that, as I say, long before I went on. So single Jeopardy is irrelevant. Right. Two, the penalty for being wrong is severe. Yes. The, the most, by far the most common mistake people make is that they guess too much, you know, and they get it subtracted. So that, uh, and in fact, Bob Harris in his book says, better to stand there doing nothing than to do something stupid. Yeah, I'm going to go do something productive. I'm going to go watch television. Which is complete, and he talked about some of his games. He didn't get all that many questions right, but he didn't get any wrong and, and won. And then the final point, relevant to the game that's in the burbs, you should do whatever you can to be in the lead going into Final Jeopardy because okay. a strong majority of the time, about two-thirds of the time, the person in the lead going into Final Jeopardy wins either because everybody gets it right or nobody mm -hmm. gets it right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess a, a fourth thing is don't let embarrassment keep you from taking risks that could lead you to win. Oh, okay. Like, okay. I, quote-unquote, should have lost. The episode that's in the burbs. Hallie hit a daily double in double jeopardy as we absolutely knew time was running out. And in fact, Alex even said, you know, less than a minute left. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. I saw him say that on the thing. Actually yeah. ended up being the very last question. She had enough money to put herself in the lead, but did not bet aggressively enough. Oh. She got that daily double right. But then we all got Final Jeopardy right. So I was in right. the lead going into Final Jeopardy. We all got Final Jeopardy right. And I, and again, another thing that is just, I don't know, non-negotiable to me. If you're mm -hmm. in the lead, you bet enough so that you are guaranteed to win if you get Final Jeopardy right. Right, I and get that. It's actually, and, and in every single one of the games I won, I was in the, it's re the reason why I won $49,804. I won four times. And each mm -hmm. time I won by $1. And I can tell you, Curtis, that, as you might imagine, one of the great, and it so happens that every single one of the final Jeopardies I got right, I knew I was right. And it is one of the great feelings in the world Ugh. to stand there with the think music knowing you have just won. Oh, I bet. And it's the think music. Like, it's like, I feel like that's more famous than the Twilight Zone theme song. The well, thinking music. Do you know what the actual title of that music is? I ha I did at one point, but I can't pull it. Right. What, what is it? Lullaby for Tony. Ah! I don't think I ever knew that. Right. Why is it called Written that? By Merv Griffin, and if you sing it slow, ah. you realize it is a lullaby. Oh wow! For his son. Boy, so he had royalties from the theme song too. Woo! Uh, whether his estate does, that's an interesting. I, I mean, he he made 
plenty of money from uh, Merv Griffin Enterprises regardless. Yeah, um, well, it's like um, uh, Robert Altman always joked that his son made more money off of MASH than he did. Right, right. I just read Be- that recently. Oh, 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 okay. In one of your games, there's a category. In 2002, it was Alex's favorite films, and he's like, we're going to get to talk about my movies. <laughs> and one of his favorite movies of all time, look, I, I'm not trying to judge him, is Space Cowboys. That's a crazy <laughs> movie to have as one of your favorite movies. <laughs> Well, Do you remember that? Speak, I'm, a, I'm a huge, I would say movies and sports are probably the two things I know the most about. And I'm a, a, a huge movies person. And one of the ways I like to illustrate how virtually all Jeopardy! clues have multiple ways to get to the right answer. Oh. And, and in one of my appearances, there was a clue that was something like, you know, in this Oscar winner, Tim Considine plays the soldier who got slapped. Okay, and the answer is Patton. Patton is one of my favorite movies, and I know who Tim Considine is, so that if you had actually asked me, which nobody would on Jeopardy, who played the soldier who got slapped in Patton, I could have told you, oh, Tim Considine. You have a yellow bastard sitting here crying in front of these brave men who've been wounded in battle. But the point of that is even people who can't get it to it that way know that Patton was famous for slapping a soldier, so you'd get it, you'd get it that other way. Shut up! And there are even jokes about how if it says Finland and composer, it's, um, what, Grieg. Um, And if it says uh, uh, Czech composer, it's going to be Dvorak, you know, that kind of thing. So sometimes in the moment you focus on the hard way to answer the question rather than realizing, oh, I've been given a clue. And I actually realized uh, Grieg was Norwegian. I forget who the Finnish composer is. Whatever. I love that. That's that. That's that's one you brought up because guess who composed Patton? Uh, actually, it's Jerry Goldsmith, isn't it? Yes, and he did a score for a little movie called The Burbs. It's one hell of a neighborhood, oh, and it's only the greatest score of all time. The music is one of the reasons why I love the movie so much. So when I saw oh, that, that you said Patton, that, that Patton oh. theme, and by the way, I do want credit for knowing that it was Jerry Goldsmith. I, I was, of course, but I actually read about how he sort of came up with the the Patton theme, and if he did the Burbs as well, that sort of shows. His, his versatility. In other words, oh, yeah. you know, people like, I think John Williams mostly writes those kinds of scores like E.T., etc., whereas if somebody did both Patton and the Burbs, it shows their their versatility. Absolutely. And Jerry Goldsmith, the things he uses in the Burbs score, he's using squeak toys. He's using like wind-up things. Like it's crazy. And that's funny that you say that about John Williams because he's got a ton of awesome scores, but you're right. They're all kind of on the same page of the catalog. If you want to listen to Jerry Goldsmith on Shuffle, you're going to listen to the most uh, eclectic group of music because he does the weirdest movies and he does different sounds for all of them, you know? Well, and, and aren't I right that um, Stripes is Elmer Bernstein? Because one of the things, I, I love the Stripes march because I don't know quite how it's funny, but it is. And it shows that Bernstein, who was, you know, famous for Great Escape and that kind of thing, could make, was also capable, which many composers and writers aren't, uh, to be uh, funny about his own style. 
So I see that I see that you won the forty-eight thousand and eighty-seven. Yes. But I want to know if you took home the board game Jeopardy or the computer version, because I saw that you had the I, choice. I it would have to have been the the board game, and but I don't I don't remember, and it's even possible because you are allowed since you're you're taxed on the things they give you, you're allowed to decline them. I, I don't I don't remember having the game. So, yeah, I get that. I, I've been to Prices Right a few times, and sometimes the things people win, I'll see them afterwards, and they're like, yeah, I didn't take that. I didn't want right. it. <laughs> oh, oh, let me tell you one other sort of fun thing from mm-hmm. reviewing the episodes that, again, not that's not in the burbs. One of my fun moments that I remember even all this time afterwards, in Double Jeopardy, there's a category called Nebraskans. And yeah, here's in the movie. Nebraskans for uh, a thousand. I can literally remember when that category was revealed, I thought to myself, you know, and he was still alive, you know, most people know that Johnny Carson is from Nebraska, but I know that Dick Cavett is also from Nebraska. And okay. that was the highest value question, and I got it. Nice. Did you watch the uh, Greatest of All Time tournament? No. Many, many times, Ken Jennings got a question right when he sounded uncertain. And uh. my husband, we were watching together, said, he's guessing. And I just said, and he got virtually all of them right. And I said, no, he's not guessing. What's going on is that there are, he has levels of certainty. There are certain yeah. Things that he just knows he's right, and he doesn't yes. ask them in that questioning tone of voice. And there are other things that he's like, I think I know this. Is that right? And, and Alex even commented on it. But I think literally every single one that he did where he sounded like a question, he actually got it right, which shows he actually wasn't guessing as we use that term. Right. You can know something with less certainty. Guessing is way far across the scale on that. He ended up winning, right? I'm sorry? Je- yes, he, yes. he won? Jennings, Jennings won, yeah. and and I think part of what happened, he, Jennings, not only is almost as good as Holzhauser on the buzzer, which is amazing, but on what we might call some of the traditional categories, sort of literature and history, Jennings, from my perception, pretty consistently outbuzzed James. And I think it is because in those sort of classical areas of knowledge, he just knows them so well. So in other words, James, right. from having studied, he knows those things and he would get them right if he could buzz in a little later. But it's a longer place on sort of the tape that is your mind for him to get right. there, as opposed to things that just, I know, it's like, you ask me my name, I know it, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. You ask me who the first Hanoverian king of, of England was, I just know it. I don't have to think about it. That's one of the theories, yeah. So there's a handful of things where Jeopardy, like, broke through zeitgeist time, where it's like uh, Celebrity Jeopardy on uh-huh. SNL. Think you're pretty smart, don't you, Trebek? Now, there is one particular pop culture milestone of television history. You wrote down, who are three people who have never been in my kitchen. No, I'm sorry, that too. You were on six months after it happened, and that is the Cliff Clavin episode of Cheers. Uh-huh. And I was just curious if you were there after six months, like, were people still talking about it or was it over? I think the answer has got to be, I don't know and don't remember. The kid next door is a meatball. Perhaps because I would have been so focused on my own performance. Okay, <laughs> so I, that's I, fair. I don't recall has to, be, has to be the answer to that. What were the real names of Cary Grant, Tony Curtis, and Joan Crawford? Be that as it may, Alex, 
Those people have never been in my kitchen. Oh, you, earlier you were saying where like you got to a point with trivia where you just you were comfortable with what you knew and you didn't want to memorize anything more. I got well, to actually, the same. No, it's actually more than that, which is I am very, very, very broadly curious. And I have a retentive memory for those things that interest me. I am not in that sense. I have never studied trivia. I just know a lot. Okay, about mm-hmm. a lot of different subjects, which of course is what Jeopardy rewards. And I'm and I'm really not interested in learning things that don't interest me. And right. Just to give you an example, I have absolutely no idea what different trees are. I can't tell you an oak from a chestnut. Who knows? Now I love trees, but I actually don't care which one is which. I've always had, as did my father before me, uh, always had that kind of memory. I retain stuff the same way where I don't have a say in the matter. It's like my brain sponge is like, the Burbs info is going to stick, but where you left your keys, sorry, bro. We're not, right. we're not hanging and on to that. <laughs> no. Or even, even other pieces, like if I can name all the presidents in order, because that interests me. Yeah. And, and you could have studied that, I assume, and, and you'd be like, gee, I don't really care when James Polk was president, which is just fine, which is great. Yeah, I got to that point. I was into Scrabble. I still am. I love Scrabble. I love word Uh games and stuff. But there was a point where I had the note cards and I was memorizing the words and I was like, I got to know all, I got to know all three letter words. And then I was like, you know what? I'm cool. I know all the two letter words. Good work. I'm good. I don't need to know that other stuff. It's not fun anymore memorizing. It doesn't (laughs) add to memorizing trivia or as you say, memorizing three letter words does not add to your enjoyment of that activity. Totally. Yes! Do you remember any of the small talk that Alex did with you first, or no? Well, having watched the episode today, I sort of knew what it would be for for reasons I can describe to you, but what do you want to ask me more specifically if there's... Well, I wanted to know if he was like... Oh, Akron's also the home of the first Jeopardy host. I thought well, maybe that would be it. I was living in Albany, New York at the time. So, ah, um, darn it. what uh, was a major focus of my appearances, you know how you know in advance when it's going to be shown. My second appearance was scheduled and was shown on November 4th, which is my birthday. And what? I, and I said... To Alex, as after we talked about whatever we talked, oh, I know, he talked about the fact that I'm a third-generation native Washingtonian, and, and I just said, and today's my birthday, okay? And then what I said to him after I had won, tomorrow is my son's birthday, and you better believe I'm going to mention that too, and he actually came on that episode, the, the Burbs episode, we'll call it, and said, uh, Kate, I know that today is your son's birthday, sort of preempting, uh, preempting that. And then he did ask me in that episode, the November 5th episode. Wait, your son's Alan, right? Yes, yes. So that was because I saw that you said hi, Alan, on one of your one game in the final Jeopardy. Oh, that's right. That's right. On something where I, I had absolutely no clue what it was. Yeah. That is so cool. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, this was beyond. I mean, I was so stoked for it, and it was even better than I thought. And I'm just so happy. Well, so thank, thank you so, so much, much for talking being to me. Interested. You'll let me know sort of once the 
podcast is up and everything. Oh, yeah. I'll send you links right away. Um, is, is your podcast free? Yes. Yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. I just, I just started this, so it's still like getting up and running, but uh-huh. the wheels are really in motion because people are coming at me going, hey, I know a guy who knows that actor in that movie. Do you want to talk to him? And I'm like, yes, please. I and do well, want to talk to him. <laughs> I'm genuinely interested in, you know, how did you and the Burbs, I don't know, come to be married? That's what the season one was. I couldn't stop watching it where I would watch it a few times a day and I would talk to my therapist about it. Like I genuinely was <laughs> like, and I, I did, I was like, well, I'm going to start a podcast so I don't feel guilty about watching it all the time. And so that, and then now I've discovered the Burbs and I are destined to put on a one man show together. And so mm-hmm. that's what mm-hmm. next 10, next five to 10 years are going to be is well, discovering actually, what that show is. It actually, this is in a sense relevant to Jeopardy, which is that. I'm not saying you don't know a lot about a lot, but your preference, it appears, at least with regard to this, is to know a lot about a relatively narrow scope, right? You're going to be this unbelievable expert on R already and will continue to be about the birds. Jeopardy, for example, doesn't reward that. Absolutely doesn't reward that. Rewards the the broad general knowledge, right? Yes. And what's interesting is that is actually one of the secrets to Jeopardy's success is that everybody knows a lot about something. Let me ask, let me add, or you can share with them the only two questions I remember from the test when I took it way back in 87. Okay. First, the first question, where were the Haymarket riots of the 1890s? I don't, I don't know that. Okay, the answer to that is Chicago. And the second question I remember is, in the musical Guys and Dolls, what was the name of the horse right here? I don't know. I should know that one, but I don't. Right, that one is Paul Revere, right? I got the horse yeah. right here. The name is Paul yes. Revere. Yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right, right. Okay. I Now, I don't, I'm not saying they would still have those questions. I meet a moderate number of people who know one of those correct answers and any time I had a law student once and he knew them both and I'm like you should try out for Jeopardy and those are two good questions too because there's you know one's history and the other is pop sort of pop culture musicals etc and anybody who knows both almost certainly has broad general knowledge which is what Jeopardy rewards I'd love some of the people who walk around like, oh, I, you know, I think I could be a contender. And actually, in the modern social media area, which I'm so glad I missed, there's some people who are just vicious towards contestants with this attitude of how could you possibly miss that? And it's like, talk to me again when you go on and win, buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, people do that with when people will fact check podcasts of like, no, that's actually this. And it's like, you're sitting in front of your computer, like you're not in front of a microphone performing for something like it's it's right, different right. it's different right. my friend. Well, and, and that's the other part is that, that that you know people make mistakes on jeopardy and they kick themselves like how could i get that wrong or how could i not know that and these people go wild and it's like well let's have the lights and alex's voice and the buzzer be on you and see how it goes you know exactly exactly wow well, wow! Thank I, you again. I, I enjoyed this very much. I can't thank you enough. This so was a blast. Welcome, I can't. Curtis, thank I can't you. wait to edit it. I'm gonna do it right now. Okay. Okay. Bye bye. That editing never happened because the good doctor spent the next few hours just calling friends and family and replaying that convo for him. Not actually the recording, just you know, telling them the hits. I mean, I, I'm a part of the Burbs fabric of history now. 
So like when I write the behind the scenes on the birth production, I feel I'm part of the story now. I got no choice but to put me in it. I mean, I'm already there because I'd be writing it, but I'm the one who told the Jeopardy winner 31 years after she appeared in a Tom Hanks movie that she had no idea. Man, that felt. The first time I reach out to somebody and it goes this well, I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna, honestly, I'm gonna take the that contact sheet that's in the press release. I'm gonna just start calling some of those numbers. I knew this was gonna happen. Call Four Stars Catering. Are we having fun yet? See what Tom Hanks ate? See if they were obligated to feed Bubbles? Oh, that's a great question. Well done, host. Okay, that's a great question. Table that. Be sure to follow Kate on Twitter at RealKateWaits. I will eternally be grateful forever and ever and ever for that chat that we had. And uh, I'd also like to send many thanks to the real heroes of the archival world, the Fan Run J Archive. Well done. Okay, I'm out of here. I just came in here for a beer, but I saw Cliff and I figured I'd better say something, so I made up that story about quitting. He scares me. Ha <laughs>